For this podcast episode, listener discretion is advised as there are mentions of mature content. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. Today, we are going to be talking about cults and conspiracies. But before that, let's hear some current news. Take it away, Jose. Welcome to today's weekly news update. Today, we'll be talking about protests in Canada, New Zealand's new law, and arrest of former Honduran president, and a live update of the Ukraine and Russian conflict. In Canada right now, thousands of people are protesting objecting to COVID-19 safety regulations and continue to idle trucks and camp out in downtown Ottawa, a demonstration in which trucks and vehicles were used to block roadways. The government invoked the Emergencies Act, which greatly increases the government's power to, tr- to crack down protests. In Alberta, police arrested 11 people and seized a cache of weapons. In New Zealand, Parliament on Tuesday near unanimously passed the legislation that bans practices intended to forcibly change a person's sexual orientation gender identity and gender expressions known as conversion therapy the government has said practices such as conversion therapy do not work and are widely discredited and cause harm the former president of honduras juan orlando hernandez opted to surrender to u.s authority a day after issued an extradition warrant for him hernandez was part of a violent drug trafficking and trafficked roughly 500,000 kilos of cocaine since 2004. currently Russia is saying that they will pull back thousands of troops from the border in order to de-escalate the situation, but Ukraine, the U.S., and NATO have not seen such promise. But we'll keep you updated if anything happens. Now, I will pass it on to Jennifer, where she will be talking about our first cult. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Waco cult. First, let's learn some history of David Koresh, the cult leader. His family were Seventh-day Adventists, and his grandmother had him accompany her to church. By the age of 10, he was able to recite long passages of scripture and was given many sermons at home. Before becoming a cult leader, Koresh attempted to gain a following through his music and personality. In 1985, he visited the Holy Land in Israel. It was while in the Holy Land that he became convinced that he was a modern-day incarceration of King Cyrus of Persia. He claimed that he had been tasked with opening the seven seals of the Book of Revelation and proclaiming them and reclaiming them to the world. David Kovarsh, the cult leader, taught that he was a messiah and that any children born of the messiah would be sacred. Because of this, he engaged in multiple marriages with women in the branch Davidian community, some underage. The youngest was reported to be 11 years old. In the years after the siege, a number of children who grew up in the branch Davidian community reported that Kovarsh had molested them. The government's primary interest in the branch Davidians was the alleged possession of illegal arms. According to history's documentary episode, Waco Siege, Days That Shaped America, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, or ATF, began their investigation into the branch Davidians after the request of McLennan County Sheriff's Office. There were reports of explosions and automatic weapons fired out at the compound. During the investigation, it became clear that the branch civilians were converting inner hand grenades into live hand grenades. The ATM sent an undercover agent, Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez was actually able to gain David Koresh's confidence and was able to get them invaluable information about the interior of the building. Their collected evidence was enough probable cause to execute the search warrant. The first plan was to execute the warrant by surrounding the compound and trying to talk David out of the ATM. Quickly got rid of the 
but the ATF quickly got rid of the idea after they interviewed former branch civilians. All of them said that they would hold out as long as they could and that they would all commit suicide. Koresh was preparing for a battle with law enforcement when he was going to martyr himself and all of his people to fulfill his prophecy. He believed that in three days he was going to raise them up from the dead and live in the Garden of Eden forever with him as Jesus Christ. Bill Buford, an ATF agent, was the one who suggested a more direct assault. He believed that if they maintained the element of surprise, they would be able to pull it off without any shots being fired. On February 28, 1983, about 80 agents from the ATF raided the religious compound. The siege ended 51 days later after a fire broke out, leaving 75 people dead, including 25 children. Now, a rally's cold. For today's cult series, I'll be talking about the FLDS cult, best known as the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Lauderdale Saints. This cult associates with many of the Mormon church beliefs but broke off due to their belief of polygamy. The Mormon church practiced polygamy, but in 1890 they renounced due to a desire in gaining statehood. The FLDS thought getting rid of polygamy went against the tenets and the real meaning behind Mormonism. FLDS are very strong supporters of polygamy since their founder, Joseph Smith, claimed that there was a word from God that a man needed to have at least three wives in order to reach the celestial kingdom, which is the highest level of heaven. The FLDS cult focuses on having a leader who they address as the prophet. There has been a total of nine prophets, including their current one, Warren Jeffs, who took leadership after his father's death. The reason why the FLDS church has turned controversial over the past few years was due to recent issues regarding their leader, Warren Jeffs. Warren Jeffs is currently serving life in, life in prison for sexual assault of a child under 14 and 20 years for sexual assault of a child under the age of 17. Why is this cult so nuts? To begin with, the prophet is in charge of who gets to marry who, and you can't get married unless you have their approval. Most of the time, the prophets arrange young underage girls to marry old men who already have wives and kids. Whenever you ask a young lady in FLDS what their purpose in life is, their answer is usually to get married and have a family. FLDS members have faith in Warren Jeff's freedom, even though he wrote down everything he has done in his life with a quote saying in his journal, If people knew all the things I've done, I would have been hung from the tallest tree. Now we're on to our second part of the middle segment, conspiracy theories. I'll be talking about the flat earth conspiracy theory. The flat theory, the flat earth theory is not a new topic. At some point of time, the whole world thought the flat the earth was flat. But why is this theory booming once again? Well, most flat earthers believe that the North Pole is at the center with Antarctica forming an ice wall at the outer edges of a dome-like barrier called the firmament. They believe that the 1961 Antarctic Treaty was agreed upon all the world nations so that, so that no one could reach the edges of the dome. They also believe that the imagery of from space program has been faked like the moon landing. Many don't believe everything NASA is putting out because how easy it is to be photoshopped. Many also believe that the sun, the moon, and the stars are all contained inside the dome. Flat earthers like to point out to the flag of the United Nations, which has Antarctica in the middle of the world and all of the other countries surrounding it, which proves their point. Now I'll be passing it on to Mr. Pong. For my conspiracy theory, I'm talking about the assassination of JFK, which is a contested subject due, due to conspiracy theories that have run rampant since the tragic event. Though the Warren Commission details the actual events of the assassination, conspiracy theorists have created new reasons, timelines, and debates on who assassinated JFK, why he was killed, and how it was done. First, let's talk about what is the most believed report, the Warren Commission. 
In the Warren Commission, the claim was that Lee Harvey Oswald was responsible for the assassination attempt on November 22, 1963. Oswald set up on the sixth floor of the Texas Book Depository and fired two shots. One hit JFK in the neck and the governor who was sitting in front of him, and the second hit him in the head, resulting in a fatal wound. Many Americans were shocked by the attempt, and conspiracies became rampant after the Warren Commission came out due to inconsistencies in the timeline of events, the number of shots heard, testimonies from witnesses, and the overall lack of information around the investigation. There are several conspiracies around the JFK assassination, such as the Russians conspired to do it, the CIA and FBI did it to help LBJ become president, Republicans did it, and many more. Most conspiracies point to the fact that the Warren Commission did not explore certain witness testimonies and denied more than two shots taking place, even though many witnesses claimed to hear three. There were other weird events, such as reports from people seeing Oswald in another state or country prior to the shooting, and people seeing shadows of other people in the surrounding buildings. My personal favorite theory is that LBJ did it so that he could become president. However, there is not sufficient evidence to support this theory. In recent findings, NARA, the National Archives Institution, released several thousands of documents not previously seen before that have only added to the fuel for conspiracy. Maybe one day we will know what actually happened. And now to Aureli with our questions. So our first question is, why is it so easy for people to believe in cults and conspiracies? I feel like one of the main reasons is through religion. Because uh, I know in the Bible, um, specifically in Isaiah, it mentions something about the circle of the earth. And uh, I think like a lot of religious people like to like differentiate between a circle and a ball. So they take a literal. So they, with that, they like to believe that the earth is flat and not a globe. I, I would agree with the religion part. I feel like religion and like community plays a big part. So for like the FLPS cult, um, this cult has been around for, I think, for a very long time since since 1890 so like there's been generations of people living there and people have grown in that cult and i feel like they can't escape that cult because that cult is basically like their family their community and like where they grew up where they lived it's just like it's part of who they are mm -hmm. i also agree with the sense of community because uh, with david course for example um he believed that he was like destined to be a uh, messiah and I felt like his words were very convincing. And so people who feel like they don't have anything to believe in, like the yearn their sense of community. So they believe like all of his his claims and like his big words and they um I guess they, they find it inspiring and find a sense of community within that and they wanna be a part of it, even if it means like risking their children, risking their lives mm -hmm. by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. I also think it comes down to like people being vulnerable and when they get into the trouble of like being in cults it's usually because at some point in their life they were vulnerable to the people who are reaching out to them and like if you do any research on the flds or david koresh right all the leaders of these types of cults and even in the conspiracies like people are charismatic and when you have a charismatic leader who has strong people skills who can talk to other people like it's super easy to get vulnerable human beings to believe you and just follow what you say. And there's a certain amount of like brainwashing that occurs 
when someone is like not at their best, right? It's like if they're depressed or they're vulnerable, they're lonely, then they see these cults and it's like, oh, like this gives me my sense of community. This gives me something to believe in or like a path for my life. And so they fall into it and then they can't get out of it. I see that a lot in the FLDS cult. I was watching this documentary about it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and in one part of it, um, like they were interviewing this lady, and she was like, "I like I love this cult because like when I was at my lowest, when I didn't have like a home or like a family, they were there for me, and nobody else was there. So like she feels devoted to them in a sense, and like she feels like like she owns them, like she owes them something for everything that they've done for her. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah." And it's scary. Have you, did y'all ever watch Boy Meets World? I watched the episodes. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> okay, this makes me feel old. There's an episode of Boy Meets World where one of the characters, Shane, is like gets into a cult because his favorite teacher um, was in a motorcycle accident and is like like dying in the hospital. And the teacher ends up living, but like that moment kind of like breaks him. And at the same time, he meets this cult where this guy is like, we just love everyone and we hug everyone and we're all friends and we're all here for each other. And like the, the episode ends with um, his actual friends and family, like, like holding on to him and like saying, no, like we're your friends and family. We're the ones who are always going to be here for you. And I think like what's scary, especially with the cults and like with David Koresh, so many people died that didn't have to die. Like 25 children were killed in that fire because of one man's belief system um but if people like have nothing else to believe in then they fall into it it's scary as far as conspiracy goes i think people just they find them interesting so they just want to believe it (laughs) right or if it seems like there's evidence for it it. also it's like kind of fun to believe that you know like there's a reasons for why things happen even if it sounds outrageous it's like mm-hmm. kind of like i don't know i guess that possibility that it might be true yeah and also yeah. like that, that feeling of like you might be right so mm-hmm. you want to believe it yeah. or the feeling of like your government's not telling you everything so yeah. why not yeah. question them <laughs> that feeling is also there okay so now for a second question do you guys think there's hope for someone to escape a cold i believe there is hope i know i mean I feel like it happened before, um, but I, I believe that it is it is really difficult, and there are a lot of people like in your ear trying to stop you, and also threatening your your safety. So I, I mean, it is really hard to even decide if that's what you want to do because you're you're raised to believe that that's how your life is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to like think for yourself, but I do believe that there's like for escaping like if they meet the right people or if you know they try to convince other people to join them then they can probably help each other escape Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree with you i feel like it has to do with like being in a new environment and meeting more people because usually people that are like in a cult well from the from what i learned about the flds like the people that you're in a cult with those are the people that you surround yourself with so that's what you're gonna believe with if you like go out into like somewhere that's not your cult and you talk to other people you start to realize that slowly things are not like your beliefs are not the same as the people in the cult's beliefs if that makes sense so i think there is hope if you're more like if you're more exposed into like other parts that 
if you're more exposed, that it's not your goal. I agree too, but I feel like it can be very, very hard. Um, I think just in general, it can be very hard to change people's opinions. Um, like people who are in cults, they're like so they're like they've seen these uh, practices so many times. So I feel like they're just so used to it, and like changing their minds would be so hard. I I agree with y'all, and I think that it also depends on whether or not the person escaping has family outside of the cult. I think if you have family or friends that are outside of it, it's easier because there's people to like pull you out. Whereas if you're just on your own or your family was the cult, then it's a lot more difficult because you're leaving everything you know behind. And that can be scarier than knowing like, oh, I do have a mom and dad to go back to, or I do have friends, or I do have like siblings that I left behind to join this. So for our third question is, do you think someone who has formerly, who was formerly part of a cult will have trouble trusting or mentally healing if the cult was emotionally abusive? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there's no question on that. Like I, the amount of therapy and um, undoing of beliefs that you would have to go through just to recover would be unimaginable to those of us who haven't experienced it. Um, I also feel like of somebody that's part of a cult, I don't know how to explain this, but I feel like they're going to be judged by their family for leaving. So yeah i feel like not also not having like emotional support like from your mm. family and you're just alone and then going to like therapy and all like, like all that stuff that can be pretty challenging and can really take like a big toll on your mental health agreed yeah, sure. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so okay on to the fourth question um what are ways we can communicate with people who believe in these ideologies I think with, well, with cults or conspiracies, I think the level of communication still has to come from like a friendly place. Like you can't just go up to somebody and say everything you've believed in for your entire life is wrong because they're not going to listen to you, one. And if you come at them like guns a-blazing, then you're going to immediately like turn them off from hearing you out. Yeah, I believe it's a process to try to like convince someone um, like what that what they're believing in is probably false. And um, like for a conspiracies example, for an example, um, I think you need to like back it up with like pure evidence because their mind is so set on one thing that, you know, they kind of disregard like actual facts. Yeah, I think like using evidence is one of the best ways. Like I know, for example, the flat earth, um, I feel like if you can just send everyone to space and like let them see the earth, I know a lot of people would change their minds and would start thinking that the earth is a globe. Yeah. And I think like with JFK, especially the majority of the documents surrounding the investigation are public. So you can go and read through all of the information yourself and like do the research yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like trying to convince people who believe that there's conspiracy to just say like, hey, like go read these documents. They are out there. You can access them. And a lot of it is the information that you need to confirm or deny what you believe. Yeah, I feel like with cults, I mean, um, with conspiracy theories, like, you can kind of prove somebody wrong with, like, 
like with facts and evidence but when it comes to like cults and stuff like that i feel like there's not much that you can do to change somebody's mind unless mm-hmm. you like unless you i guess if you not target them but like bring out their emotional side but even that like i feel like they wouldn't care because like in the in this other documentary that i watched they they, they were asking this lady who's who has a part of like the cult for her whole entire life like if she'll ever like leave the cult and she was like no never and that she didn't see like anything wrong about like warren jeff's like being in prison for dating like a minor and she was like if a two-year-old wants to get married then that's okay and they should just say like all these like what's it called pedo like pe- I, pedophile I, yeah pedophilia. Pedophile, like, like ideologies mm. and she was just trying to like say that it was all okay so i don't know like i don't know how you would try and like and change their mind and when they yeah. have like that type of mindset that's know? true because at that point you're undoing their belief system mm-hmm. and like their foundational belief yeah. foundational beliefs not just weird things they've chosen to believe yeah and sometimes when you target that they get like super defensive and mm-hmm. i guess like that makes their ideologies ideology stronger mm-hmm. which makes them like change their mind less yeah um so now on to the spooky story that's by me. Yes. Wait, before we do spooky story, I want to take a moment because we didn't do this at the beginning. So Samantha could not be here with us on our recording today. So actually, listeners, we have a special guest, Jenny from our AP government class. Say hello, Jenny. Hi, everyone. She <laughs> graciously agreed to join us to cover for Sam. And so for our listeners, the new voice you're hearing is Jenny Gomez. So thanks for joining us today for our you're middle welcome. segment. Yeah. I will say it's really fun. It is fun. Everyone should join. Yes. <laughs> uh, and for the spooky story, today I'll be talking, for today's spooky story, we'll be uncovering a legend that keeps many wondering. Today we'll be talking about La Pascualita. This is an old legend that or- originates in Chihuahua, Me- Mexico, surrounding a mannequin with a very dark background story. This mannequin lives inside a wedding dress shop called, located on La Popular Street. La Pascualita is not just your average mannequin. La Pascualita has lived in her window display for over 90 years and counting. She made her first appearance on the 25th of March in 1930 wearing a wedding dress. Locals were shocked at how real La Pascualita looked, which created curiosity and started rumors surrounding the owner, Pascuala Esparas, and her daughter who passed away. Local rumor has it that the mannequin is actually a well-preserved corpse of the owner's daughter who died from a black widow spider just before her own wedding. The rumors only keep coming, stating that they started seeing La Pascualita change positions when no one was looking. La Pascualita has turned into a phenomenon creating debates between funeral directors, morticians, and etc. Most people have come to the conclusion that La Pascualita is not a corpse due to the amount of years she's been displayed. What do you think? Do you believe the rumors? Do you think? Do you believe the rumors are disrespectful towards the mother slash owner? Please let us know. Now on to Jose with our closing. Thank you everyone for being here. Please join us next week where where we will be doing the teachers' interview. Bye. Bye, Bye. everyone.